How is everybody this morning? Are we good? Who's, uh, who's managed to mostly avoid getting too wet this weekend? A few people, well done. I, I commend you. It's been, uh, it's been interesting, but I, want, I do want to say welcome to summer. And I absolutely love it. I, 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 if summer's going to be like this, I'm, I'm quite excited and quite content with that. I, I, I enjoy the rain. I enjoy the cold a lot more than I enjoy the hot. So I'm pretty happy right at the moment. And I'm also really excited about uh, this message this morning. It's been building in a few ways for a long time now. Um, and the last couple of weeks, this has come together. And it kind of follows on from my recent two messages and the, the journey we've been on. And so it started with my message, Look Again, which was all about uh, just shifting our focus and rather than looking at life through our tough circumstances or the things that are going wrong in life, actually looking at, life, looking at those things through the lens of the cross and that when we do that, it actually shifts our perspective, it shifts our focus, it shifts our attitude. And so we started there and hopefully that can help us to start to overcome fear and, and, and manage our distractions And that led into unconventional God and radical faith. So it's about looking again at our unconventional God with radical faith. And personally, I think that this brings revival. And I believe that this is a spirit and a life that we can all take hold of if we want it. And that's what today's all about. So today's message is called Living a Revival Life. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the amazing privilege that it is to, to come together in, in your house as a family, Lord God. And I pray that you would speak your words through my lips this morning and, and in, in every part of the service that we have had and that is to come. I pray that you would speak to all of us in those moments, Lord God. And I pray that we would have ears to hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, revival is a term thrown around a lot in churches, particularly in the the Pentecostal and charismatic movements. And in our minds, we might have a perception of what revival is. But is that perception accurate? So the definition of revival, according to Dr. Google, is a reawakening of religious fervor. And fervor is described as an intense and passionate feeling. So, revival, therefore, is a reawakening of intensity, of energy, of passion, of fire, and of hunger towards the things of God. You know, we often see revival as a large number of people suddenly coming back into God's kingdom through accepting Jesus. And in some ways that reflects the definition because when we've got that hunger and that passion, it attracts people. But what we often miss is that a revival or a, weak, a reawakening, and notice the, the re there, that it's happened before, is for Christians. You know, we need to be reawakened sometimes if we've been in a slumber. And that is what draws people to it. And if we can become reawakened and revived, and to revive something is to breathe life into it again. 
And I want to focus on that concept of, of it's again. It's been there, but we need to bring that back. That's when everyone can, re- can reap the reward of radical faith. So let's have a look at what that looks like. Revival begins with a personal awakening. And it's more than simply just waking up from a snooze. If it was that easy to bring revival, I'm down with having multiple power naps every day if that's going to do it. I wish it was that simple, but we need to spend that time with God. And you know, the definition of awakening is to come into awareness. So if we want to see revival and see God move in and through us, we need to become personally aware of His Spirit, His voice, and what He has called us to do and who He has called us to be. And we need to be reawakened into that. Maybe we've forgotten what His voice sounds like. Maybe we've forgotten who He says we are. We need to be reawakened into that. If you have your Bible with you, I'd like you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, it will be on the screen. We're going to read a story about one woman and her personal awareness of the value of God. So verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, Gehazi, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Verse 17, but the woman became pregnant and the next year about that same time, she gave birth to a son just as Elisha has told her. You know, I love this story. I'm going to flesh it out a little bit. But I really love that story because you've just got a, a, a woman there and she just shows a simple act of faith by creating a space and opening up her home to a man of God and therefore opening up her home to God to have a space to move. And you know, and I think that this is a radical step and you see God reward that step by giving her a son. You know, there are two distinct ways in this story. Uh, there's more to it afterwards. And, and you see there that her and her husband are regularly meeting together with, with the body much like this and hearing the word taught. And so they're aware of who God is. 
And the second, the woman made that space for Elisha whenever he may have been of need of it. She promoted the importance of the work of God, one in the world, but also in her life. And she made that permanent space for God and reaped the reward of a son. You know, revival awakens in our hearts an increased awareness of the presence of God, a new love for Him, and a hunger for His Word. So to become personally aware and awakened, we need to prepare a space in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, in our life for God, His Son, His Spirit, and His Word, and for revival. Amen? We need to create that space and have a habit of creating that space to allow Him to work. If we want to see people be awakened by God's Spirit, to see healings, to see financial breakthrough, to see freedom from addiction, restored relationships, increased and radical faith. If we want to see these in others, it needs to start in ourselves by creating that space for God to actually move and then that flows out into other people. And it's often when we are uncomfortable where God can move the most because we've put Him above what our comfort level is. In a message I recently heard from Brian Houston, he says, when you lose your vision for the future, you always return to your past. So when we lose sight of who we are, who God is, and the vision he has given us, when we lose sight of that, we're going backwards. We're not making that space. We're not being able to see that revival. So how can we ask for revival for our city and for our church and for our families if we don't have that reawakening in ourselves first? I want you to turn to somebody and ask, have you been reawakened? Ask them, are you awake? The Shunammite woman, after all those years of desiring a son, could have lost sight of that. And of God for not giving her that son. But she didn't. She was faithful to God and made that space for him. And God moved mightily in her life. Who wants that in, in their life? Who wants that for themselves? Am I the only one? Or, or are there more of us who want that in our lives and in, that in the lives of those around us? If we want that, and it's not selfish to want to be reawakened or awakened the first time because that means we're in God's presence. We're actually aware of who He is and what He's doing. And so we need that awakening. We can't grow or minister to others if we are dry and asleep. You know, James 1.12 reads, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When we create space, we get that personal awakening. And that personal awakening helps us to persevere in what God has called us to. It helps us to persevere into personal and corporate revival. So what is your personal awakening? If you haven't had one, how can you create a space in your life where you don't have a distorted focus? What needs to be revived, have life breathed into in your life so that that awakening, that revival can come in your life? For me, 
I'm often reawakened when I need it in worship. That's where my awareness of God comes. In that space, I am free to move, often with no rhythm, and it probably looks pretty awkward, but I'm totally okay with that. There's no cares, no worries, it's just worship. And it's in that space that I hear from God. And we need to get into that habit of knowing what that space for us is to hear from God and spending time in that space. We need to prioritize that in order to hear from God and to let him move. You know, and for me with worship, it's not just here in the front row at church on a Sunday morning. It's in my office at work with headphones in. It's been at the back of auditoriums at camps and conferences. It's been in the car driving from place to place. You know, God is everywhere. So we need to get out of the, the, the mindset of God only turns up at church on a Sunday morning or when the church is open for something. God is always with us. And if we make a space in our life, God will speak. The thing is, church, he's always speaking. We just need to make that space to hear him. And then the question is, what should we do with this personal awakening? You know, I look at it that an awakening or an awareness brings energy. It brings excitement. It brings urgency. It's like when you're playing Monopoly, you know, and the game can drag on for hours and hours and hours. And if nothing happens for a little while, you kind of get bored with it and tired with it. But then all of a sudden you land on Mayfair or Park Lane, no one owns them, and it's like, yeah, right, we're in business now. It's just been plodding along, but now you're focused, you're ready to play. And that's about the point when family breakdowns occur. (laughs) Everybody starts to fight and it just descends into madness. Um, The first time I met Emma's uh, niece... She came around, we were playing Monopoly and uh, I was the lucky one that had hotels on Mayfair and Park Lane. She landed on them, had no money and threw a tantrum. So it was an interesting introduction to M's side of the family, but I'm, I'm sure lots of people have had that experience playing Monopoly. Um, and another example, which is kind of more positive depending on your outlook, is someone who might be terminally ill um, but it can be anybody in general making a bucket list and going, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live radically while I can. I'm going to tick off these things while I can. We can, can consider cats. I've now realised that I'm probably going to get an abundance of sermon illustrations from Sweeney, but that's okay. For those who don't know who Sweeney is, I put a picture up in my last message. He's Emma and my cat, um, and he gets up to all sorts of, of mischief. But most cats, they'll often lounge around for most of their time, but when they become aware that they can climb on stuff or push stuff over, they're in business. They run amok. And we've just got to deal with it. You know, when they learn that they can sook and get what they want, they will do it. Much like small children or guys, when we have the man flu, we will sook and we know that we'll be looked after. You know, or it's like kids realising that textures have pretty colours and they show you their artwork on doors, walls, their siblings or themselves. I want you to have a look at this video. You've probably all seen it on Facebook, but we're going to just play a quick little clip here. No, who drew on Mummy's mirror? I don't know. Was it you? No. Who was it? I fucked mine. <laughs> I fucked mine. 
Batman did it. It's Batman did it. It's Batman. Batman did it. You know, I'm sure that most of you, at least, have some form of experience in kids having some, some fun with crayons, textures, makeup, whatever it is. When we've got that energy and excitement, we want to explore that. And so it ignites a passion within us. And so it needs to be the same with God. You know, when we are aware and awakened to the things of God, we need to have that zeal and that energy for Him. Too often, we take his presence for granted and lack the zeal that should always be there. And that's why sometimes we need chocolate. That's why we need a little bit of chocolate. And my aim is terrible this morning. I apologize. Sometimes we need chocolate to wake us up. We need that sugar hit because it's what gets us through. The problem is with... The problem is with chocolate is that it's only short term. But I know a never-ending source. We just have to activate our awareness and our faith in him to keep that constant energy going. One of my favourite old preachers is Smith Wigglesworth. He said the following, Great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. Great triumphs can only come out of great trials. And our personal awakening leads to a great and radical faith being developed within us and it, allow God's, it allows God to move. Say this with me. I can be radical. I can be radical. Turn to Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. Um, this also will be on the screen as well. And this is, a, this is a cool story in Luke's gospel. It's one of, the, one of the first stories I read after becoming a Christian, and it's always, uh, it's always stuck with me. So it says, When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends, sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Here was someone with power, prestige, and authority over people. But he had an awareness of who he was in the sight of God. And he had an awareness of who Jesus was, being God and what he could do. And Jesus says, nowhere in Israel have I seen such great faith. In Acts 
chapter 9, you don't have to put this one up, we see Paul's conversion on the Damascus Road. And so here's a guy who's been persecuting and condemning and killing Christians who meets God. And in the story, it says that he became blind. So physically, he became blind, but he was now spiritually aware. Imagine your response. You've been, you've been condemning and killing Christians, and then all of a sudden, Jesus appears in front of you. That'd be a little bit intense. The next thing you know, you can't see anymore but there's something stirring inside of you. And so he goes from this being this killer and this condemner to writing most of the New Testament, being one of the most radical, faith-filled people that we read about in the Bible. How often are we blind to what God wants to do? How often are we blind to an ignorant of God? See, we need that personal awakening and revelation that he is for us that he never leaves or forsakes us, that he loves us, and that he can and will use us. Amen? That's what builds radical faith. When we make that space to get that awareness that develops and grows our faith. We need to realize that God goes with us wherever we go. It's like Moses with the tabernacle. When the, the commandments were put in there, they carried that tabernacle with them wherever they went, whether it was into battle it went with them. When they were camping, it went with them. Moses understood the importance of taking the presence of God with them wherever they went. And there is a story in there where it says that Moses left the tabernacle in in the tent and he went to sleep, but Joshua, his servant, stayed in that place because he did not want to depart from the presence of God. And when we make that space in our lives, we can be in that place all the time. You know, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So technically, we don't really get a choice. God's Spirit is with us. And it can be a scary thought. He's always with us. But the question is, do we activate that Spirit? Are we aware of His constant presence within us? And this is how a personal awakening gives us a radical faith. And a radical faith brings supernatural change. In Daniel chapter 6, we get a fantastic example of this. And I've talked about this, this story before, but I think it's really important. I share, I share from here again today because this story is messing me up in a really, really good way. It highlights so much how a radical faith from a personal awakening can have a ripple effect on people and surroundings by bringing supernatural change. This story highlights the power and the importance of prayer, that they are more than just words when our heart aligns with God and we are in God's presence. So in the story, Daniel prays to his God and, and, and the king doesn't sort of acknowledge Daniel's God nor do the king's advisors. And so they devise a plan to try and trap Daniel and the, the king offers, uh, puts out a government edict saying you cannot pray for 30 days to that God or to any other God but the king. And so Daniel, he hears about it. The first thing he does is he goes up into his room, gets down on his knees and starts praying to God and he is seen through an open window. And so what happens is they take him down to the lion's den and say, right, you're being locked in there, they're going to eat you. That's how they did things. But then the next morning, they go and open up the doors, and here's Daniel 
walking out. His faith had saved him. And the king then recognized God moving. What he wrote next is absolutely amazing. So Daniel 6, 26 to 27 up on screen. So the king writes this. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His, king will not be de- his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Prayer changes things, church. It changes them forever. We just have to believe that what we are praying is more than just words and that it flows through our awakening and our subsequent faith. You know, it's easy to pray for for a mass revival, but do we 100% believe that it can happen? It's easy to pray for healing, to say the words and lay hands, but are are we truly aware that he can and does heal? Do you believe God can provide for you miraculously, whether that's in finances, whatever it is? I say, why not? He's God. He can do all of these things. We just need to have that personal revelation and awakening that God can do these things. Church, if we have the radical, bold, audacious faith, the whole believing without necessarily seeing, if we have that faith to pray, God has the ability to respond because we've allowed him into that prepared space and going, God, we need you. I'm believing for healings in this place, amen? For people to be saved and set free, to see this building overflowing with people hungry for a personal awakening from God. I believe that if we set ourselves up for an awakening and walk in the subsequent radical faith, I believe that we can we can cover the cost of this building, even get our own building someday. I know that's a big dream, but if we have this awakening and this awareness of God, we have the ability to do that because we walk side by side with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we need to get excited about that. We need to dream. We, we need to dream. We need to throw out vision and believe that God can do this stuff. And it all starts with prayer and making that space for God to live and move. Andrew Murray writes, The coming revival must begin with a great revival of prayer. It is in the closet, with the door shut, that the sound of abundance of rain will first be heard. An increase of prayer with Christians will be the sure bringer of blessing. So church, we need to get on our knees and pray. We need to make that space for God and allow him to move in this place. In Acts 16, we read a story of Paul and Silas in prison and it hits midnight and they are praying and praying and praying and worshipping. Next thing you know, the jail doors fling open, their chains are off and the jailer goes to kill himself and they say, no, 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 this is all good and they go to his place and his whole family then comes to know Jesus and it all started with prayer. In the book of Joshua, we hear an incredible story where God says, you are going to have success in this battle. And Joshua's like, well, God, the, the sun's falling. It's going to be nightfall soon. We haven't seen victory. God made the sun stand still in the sky because Joshua knew who he was and was bold enough to say, God, this is going to happen. And he prayed into that. So prayer has power, church, and we need to get to that. In Luke seven twenty two, Jesus says this to John the Baptist's followers. 
Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the, to the poor. How incredible is this? You know, we can bring this to, the, to our community church. Jesus made space in his life to recharge and to be reawakened by God. And if Jesus needs to do that, then we sure need to do that. He gave us the Holy Ghost so that we carry him with us wherever we go. Do we have the faith to believe for these things? You know, there's the, the Azusa Street Revival in the 1900s was an amazing movement and it's, all, it's considered the start of the Pentecostal movement and it started with a, with a guy named William J. Seymour who was at a Bible college but because of segregation he had to sit in the corridor and he heard the word of God taught and he took that back and there have been so many other people around the place praying and all of a sudden from this prayer this revival just took off. That can happen again. We just got to get on our knees and pray. You know, supernatural change leads to a spirit-led and spirit-filled revival. Martin Luther King Jr. said the following, faith is taking that first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. And sometimes that taking that step of getting on your knees and getting dirty to pray for God, to, to pray for the things of God, sometimes that stepping out scares us. And it's scary to take a leap of faith and trusting the supernatural power of God when you don't see it. But when we make space, that faith becomes part of who we are, amen? When we give God the chance to transform us, when we fix our gaze on him alone and on the cross, we are strengthened. Who wants that faith? In Acts 2, we, we read of this upper room experience that many had. There are a couple of hundred people and they just start praying and the Spirit of God drops on them. You can see fire on their head and they were speaking in different languages. You know, when God moves, we know about it. When he changes us, we are aware of us. We are aware of it. But he still allows us to choose whether we live from that supernatural change and radical faith or just keep living in fear and being interrupted by distractions and lacking faith. You know, Jesus says that faith as big as a mustard seed can move mountains. And if you've ever seen a mustard seed, they're tiny. Think of a sesame seed and they're a little bit smaller than that. If just that little bit of faith can move mountains, imagine what we can do when we're pulling all our faith together. When we're praying and we pull all of our faith together, think about what impact we can have in this place and on our community. That's something worth getting excited about, church. When we are aware and develop a radical faith and see that supernatural change, we are full of excitement and enthusiasm and we need to have that space so that we can maintain that and take it wherever we go. Supernatural change is seldom easy or comfortable, but it changes everything. And we need to be prepared for that. We've heard how in the time of the Azusa Street Revival, it, it, it was crazy. And Pentecostals then were considered a little bit weird and strange. But if the supernatural power of God heals, if it sets people free, if it breaks change, restores relationships, miraculously provides, provides and raises people from the dead, then I want that regardless of what people may say or think. Do you? 
Like if, if, if the supernatural power of God has such a profound impact on humanity, then it doesn't matter what people think. We just need to take that power of God into our worlds and actually let him have his way. It is weird and strange to those that aren't aware. You know, the response to the upper room was that they were drunk. And that's okay. People need that awakening and that revelation to actually understand that this is normal. So we need to embrace it and believe that through embracing that and standing on that, that revival is going to happen in our church, our city, our country, and our world. You know, I'm taking a bit of a step to actually say this, but I've, for a while, God has been saying to me that the city of Frankston is going to be the epicenter of revival. And I know he's said similar things to other people, but the step that we have to take is we actually have to believe that. It's one thing for God to say it. It's another thing for us to actually believe it, embrace it, and walk in that. So church, we need to start living that, to trust that God is going to do this. And we need to make that space and go, God, come in and move. And it's all about having that time in prayer, of making that space, of getting down on our knees and praying and surrendering to God. God says that we have this potential church. So what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to sit back and wait? Or are we going to make a space that allows God to bring supernatural change and have a radical faith that brings revival? You know, this is something worth fighting for. Revival is a vision that I have and I hope that you do too. And it starts personally and then it builds for everyone. And we have to fight for it, to put aside fear doubt, anxiety, distractions, unworthiness, busyness, all of that, and go to that space to just sit and listen and become aware. Can I get the band to come up, please? So there's a a British evangelist in the 20th century named Gypsy Smith. And he preached to huge crowds, small crowds, and everything in between. But wherever he went, miracles followed. And after one meeting, a delegation came to ask him how they could experience mass revival as he had. This was his reply. Go home, lock yourself in your room. Kneel down in the middle of the floor and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around you and say, God, let revival start inside this circle. Let revival start inside of me. And it goes on to say that when he would enter a new town, he would get down and in the dirt, draw a circle and say, God, bring a revival to this city. But let it first start within this circle. And so church, I want to encourage you. Are you prepared to let God start a revival in your heart? in your mind, in your soul. Because if we can make this space and say, God, come in here and bring us revival, then that's going to impact everybody else. And we need to get to that place. So I want you to stand with me. And the band are, are going to play and, and, and sing. And while they're doing that, I want you to make some space for God. 
right now. I want you to make space for Him to, to, to bring that awareness, that reawakening, whatever it is you need. Let Him bring that in this space. And if you want some prayer to, to, to feel God's Spirit flow through you, then come forward and I'll get people on the core team and our connect group leaders will we'll come and we'll stand with you. But make some space this morning, church, for God to do a work inside of you. If we want that revival, now's the place for that to start. Now is the time for that to start. We've just got to make that space.
Sing it again. How great. Beautiful. See how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. He's the name. forsakes us he never leaves us and when we make that space we get that awareness so let's pray father god we long for you to send revival to our nation to our city to our church to our families to our workplaces to all of those places and we stand together and say let it begin in us lord god let that revival that life being breathed into things, that reawakening. Let it start inside each and every one of us. Lord God, you know, church, there's a song called God's Not Dead. And the bridge of that says, let heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. And Lord, that's our prayer. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. When your people are reawakened to you and to your spirit and so Lord I pray you would bless everybody here and help us to make that space for you and for revival to flow as a result in Jesus name Amen